much for joining us today on episode number 63 of the Real Life Runners podcast. We live in a fast-paced world, and last week we talked about the importance of slowing down in both our running and our eating and all the benefits that brought. This week, we're going to flip it, and we're going to talk about the importance of speed. We're going to talk about that in regards to our running and our eating. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So, like you said, the the idea is life is life is quick, and sometimes you have to actually do things with appropriate speed. Otherwise, the whole world just passes you by. Yeah. So it reminded you when we started talking about this. It reminded you of that one quote. Well, you see the quote on on the cross country shirts and track shirts all the time. It says, "Speed kills." those who don't have it. And dot, dot, dot. I'm not sure. I think that it's best attributed to Tom Telez, who is, you know, world renowned sprint coach, most notably for coaching Carl Lewis. Um, it, he's got a, his like speed kills program. So I think that that's probably, if you're going to give it to somebody, that's a good spot to go. Okay. So last week we talked about slowing down and the importance of slowing down both in our running and in our eating. So we, just as a quick review, uh, we talked about the importance of easy recovery runs and easy long runs. And then we also talked about the benefits of slowing down your eating and eating slowly. So if you're interested in that episode, you can go back and listen to episode number 62. And just as another quick reminder, Check out the website, realliferunnerspodcast.com. You'll get all of the show notes there, and you can find links there to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Facebook group, which is filled with tons of awesome people. So don't forget about the website and the show notes. Those are great resources for you. And whenever we talk about strengthening exercises or specific things that we like to use in our life, we also have a page over on the website with some resources and tools that we like to use with protein powder and collagen powder and some of the exercise bands that we like to use. So we have links over there on the page for all of that stuff if you want to check it out. Again, that's realliferunnerspodcast.com. So anyway, back to you. That was nice. You filled a lot of stuff in there, which is kind of the gist of the episode is there's only so many hours in the day and you've got to pack the information in. <laughs> you've got to pack in all of the different things you need. I got to get my workout in. Right. You know, we said it last week, you got the workout, you got to get the kids to the doctors, the, the practice over here, you're trying to plan dinner and you've only got 20 minutes to work with and you've got to put not just a meal together for yourself but the entire family that pleases everyone. Right, exactly. So, yeah, last week we talked about lots of benefits of slowing down, but we live in a crazy world sometimes. Yeah, let's let's have slowing down also have the reality side of it. Yeah. Sometimes you got to pick the pace up here. Sometimes we got to pick it up. And and so we're going to start off the episode talking about the benefit of speed work in our running. Well, yeah, because there's huge benefits as far as slowing down, but there's also the whole idea that unless you're also adding in some speed and depending on what you're training for the amount and how to do it varies but unless you're adding some speed you're not reaching your maximum potential right and i know that a lot of the people that we start to work with have never really worked on speed work before they, a lot of them go out and they run that moderate pace like we've talked about and not not many of them have really played with the speed work before and trained on more of an elite level I mean, when you first got into it, first got into running, you asked me all the time, why am I doing speed? Why would I do something shorter and faster? If I'm trying to run a fast 5K, why not just run 3.1 miles 
over and over again and try and do it faster today than I did it yesterday. Yeah, because that doesn't work. And if that was the thing that worked, then that's how all the professional runners would do it. And why would you need coaches that actually knew what they were talking about? God, that would make coaching so phenomenal. Right. Go run it again. Now this time do it faster. Exactly what you did yesterday, but a second faster. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just not how it works. It's not how anybody trains. Well, and... When I first got into running, I thought running was so boring that like you started giving me these speed play workouts and that was just to keep me interested and to make it more fun for me. <laughs> and and you get the side benefit of you actually get a lot faster and in really good shape by doing it. Right. But I never accepted the fact that I should be faster. <laughs> so I never really actually did it. It was just kind of a way for me not to get bored. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I kept kind of trying to manipulate the workouts and be like, all right, maybe try this one. And I give you things that weren't quite as like high-end speed sort of a moderate and so I tried to throw in all this variety so that you were actually improving and hitting different systems and stuff and you were like all right well it's a new workout okay I'll go for it right it's nice yeah so there's two main ways to to look at speed work right yep. you're gonna go over distance and under pace all right so that was more of like what we were talking last week mm-hmm. of you hit your long runs and you hit it slower than any race pace that you're aiming mm-hmm. for you go longer than your race and slower than your intended goal pace for the race right except for like a marathon you don't usually go usually over. except for a marathon yeah. except for like crazy elites they'll go off and hit like a 30 mile run in training for a 26 i wouldn't say crazy elites i mean pretty much any elite runner was gonna go over the distance, wouldn't you say? No, I say I think crazy elite is redundant and, oh. and repeats itself. <laughs> okay. So any professional runner is going to run more than that. Most of them are yeah. going to go. I mean, I think almost all of them are going to go over distance I on a marathon. Guess, yes, yeah. I mean, it, but the real life runners—that's pretty much not most. Most people under the category of real life runners aren't hitting 150 a week. Right, right. So you're not going to go out for a 30 mile training run if you're training for a, a regular marathon. Some, some might. Yeah. You know, some people might, but. So then there is the opposite of that. The flip side of the coin is training under distance, where you're training either at your goal race pace, depending on what the event is, or you're training even faster than that pace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are like when you throw those quarter mile and half mile repeats at me and tell me a pace and I look at you with bug eyes. Well, because it Wait, depends, what? depends what? on what kind of speed you're doing. What do you want me to hit? I um, can't run that fast. If you're training for something <laughs> like a marathon and a half marathon, hitting a bunch of workouts at 5K or 10K pace is great. Yeah. If you're training for the 5K, you want to go even faster than that. Take it down to like mile race pace. Mm-hmm. You can do some real stuff where you're hitting like 200s at 800 meter race pace. Yeah, that's what you were giving me. And you're like, oh, you should hit this at s- between 6 and 6.30. And I'm like, are you... Sp- on something? Like, Have you started taking something that I'm unaware of? It's 200 meters. Go fast. <laughs> It'll be fine. Go fast. Okay. So anyway, focus. Say what you just said again, as far as which paces you should be doing for which training, for which races. Okay. Well, this kind of goes to the next thing I've got. It's an inexact science of blending all of this right. is if you're going for a marathon or a half, you kind of pick a couple of levels under that. So like a 10K and a 5K. Mm -hmm. If you're going for a 5K to go faster, there's a 3K, but most people don't know what their 3K pace is. You're like, hey, put it at a 3K effort. Most people look at you like, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. But if you tell them mile effort, they can try and visualize what that's going to be. Or half mile effort, they can pick that up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's good stuff for the 5K. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that you can't abandon anything. And 
life got a little busy for me and I kind of stopped a ba- I pretty much gave up on hitting things outside of strides mm-hmm. that were faster than my 5k work. Uh-huh. So last week I tried like a, a more high end speed. Ooh, that was a rough one. Yeah. That did not go smoothly for yeah. me because I hadn't reached to that level in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to make your legs go at that pace and that speed just felt kind of weird well i could and very very hard <laughs> very it felt like i've done it i've, I've put right. in so many miles I mean, on weird, it but... so i knew what it was yeah. but it felt way harder than i expected it to feel yeah. and i kind of had to alter mid-workout and be like okay well if i want to keep hitting appropriate paces i can't do half mile repeats it's going to be a couple half miles then a couple 400s and then a handful of 200s and i, I cut it down so that i was making sure that i was still hitting aggressive paces Yeah. So like you said, it's really an inexact science and there's lots of different workouts that you can do to blend all of this together. And if you guys want some more specifics about exact workouts that we like to put with um, our clients, you can go back to episodes number 45, how to train for a marathon and episode number 54, which is how to train for a half marathon. And in those episodes and also in the show notes, which are again over on the website, um, we break down actual specific workouts for you, like mile repeats or half mile repeats and, you know, at your 5k pace or at your 10 or 10k pace and kind of give some more details on that. So if you're interested, go check out the show notes on the website or go back and listen to those two episodes. Yeah, those are some quality workouts for the different workouts. Or you could sign up and become one of our clients and then get all sorts of handmade workouts for you. Yeah, exactly. And then you don't have to figure it out. We'll figure it out for you and you can just run them. All right, let's stop selling things. The physical benefits (laughs) of going fast. Okay, it improves your strength. It is a way to do strength workout without actually directly lifting things and pushing and pulling things. Yeah, this is a nice excuse that you like to give me when I ask you how your strength training's going. Uh, it's not strength workout, but it does... It, make you stronger. It does make you stronger. Yes, it, it also does. improves your range of motion. Yes. It doesn't mean that you have to that you can give up on any of the mobility exercises, right. any of the stretching... But it does actually work for strengthening. It does work for for increased range of motion. Yes, it does. It also helps to increase the speed of which your body converts things into energy. So we talked about the fast-burning systems and the slow-burning systems and all of that. And basically, when you do the speed work, you're forcing your body to do this more quickly to convert those stores, the storages in your body storages in your yep, body, storages. the things stored in your body, convert them into energy so that your body can use it quickly while you're running. So the more you do these workouts, the more efficient your body gets at that energy conversion process. Which means running these faster things helps you when you are racing slower because it's still a matter of your body actually accessing its energy, finding all of the energy to access, and then quickly converting it into actually usable energy right so it's not just a fuel tank sitting in there that's slowing you down it's usable fuel yes it also helps to increase the rate at which your body processes the byproducts of energy metabolism so basically when you have that things... was nice what? That was very fancy and scientific there the byproducts <laughs> of metabolism <laughs> So in, in in real life terms, basically your body stores fat and glycogen and all these things for energy. And when it goes through the energy production process in your body, there are waste products. People like to call them toxins. And basically your body reabsorbs those and gets them processed through the liver and through the various organs and cell is, cells in the body. And 
So when those things build up, that's what causes you to fatigue, right? People like to think of lactic acid, which doesn't really exist. Right. But anyway, when those byproducts build up, they cause you to fatigue. But by doing this speed work, you are then building those byproducts and then forcing your body to then deal with them more quickly so that you fatigue less. So that when you're in a race, your body's more efficient at that whole process as well. Right. Because the crux of a speed workout is make your body do something fast and then take a break and literally just walk around and let your body try and recover. Mm -hmm. Not fully and completely. It's not go really fast and then take 15 minutes breaks because there's, there's coaching for sprinters where that is literally what you do is you push your body to a hundred percent and then it needs like 10 to 12 minutes to fully recover. That's not the speed workout we're going with. Mm -hmm. This gets uh, usually, you know, if you're just getting into speed and you're going for something, Go fast for a set amount of time and recover for half of that amount of time or mm-hmm. half of that distance yeah. and then do it again. Right. And that that short, incomplete recovery is where your body's like, oh, wait, it's asking me to go fast again. I better figure out next time I get a break how to get rid of some of this junk that's building up. Yeah, exactly. And it just it starts getting good at it. Right, right. So those are three of the main physical benefits for speed training. Now let's talk about some of the mental benefits of speed training because there are a lot of mental benefits. Uh, this this is the wall that I smacked into in the middle of that lunch workout on the track. The track <laughs> is a lonely place when there is no one else out there. Yeah. It was me and there were some kids off in the distance that I could see eating lunch at picnic tables. You did a lunchtime workout on the track? I did a lunchtime track. workout on the track, yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was neat. Um, and the sun was, I bet you smelled really good for your afternoon. I smelled phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) Smelled awesome. (laughs) You need to like do what I do and take baby wipes with you because baby wipes are, I mean, those things are amazing. No, no, just wipe yourself up up with, with the paper towels in the bathroom in the teacher's lounge, put on some extra deodorant and good to go. Here is a golden nugget for you guys. (laughs) Baby wipes are amazing. This is what I do like on Saturday mornings when I love to go out for a long run and then do yoga afterwards. I don't have time or a place to shower. So I bring baby wipes with me and go into the bathroom and just wipe myself down with baby wipes so that I'm not smelling myself during yoga. you smell like baby wipes. I knew that all I had Unscented, to do... Unscented, lovely baby wipes. All I had left to deal with was one class of freshmen and I was going to... And you sm- don't like them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was not going to smell worse than a class of freshmen. Like There's there's like 14 boys in there who were trying to figure out how to smell appropriately. Oh, so they all smell like Axe body spray? Some of them smell like Axe body spray and some of them <laughs> haven't figured out what deodorant is yet. So I've got that combo. Oh, that's awful. I know, it's how, special. They haven't figured it out yet? Yeah. No, I know, oh, and it's God. it's still Florida outside. That so. is a that is a parenting fail. Yep, All right. I don't like to judge, but that is a parenting fail. So anyway, back to the mental benefits of the wall that I smacked into the pain that you experience. The the ouch, my body is telling me to stop doing this mm-hmm. of a speed workout is different than an endurance workout. Oh, yeah. If you're out there and just putting in long runs, it's a slow ache mm-hmm. that just starts building and building up. and building. Right. It's it's the whole uh, frog in boiling water thing. If you put a frog in a pot of water mm-hmm. and, and turn the heat up, it'll just stay in there until the water's boiling. If you try and drop a frog into boiling water, it will jump out and survive. Right. 
on a long run, that pain just keeps gradually getting worse and worse and worse. And you slowly just keep accepting it and saying, nope, that's okay. That's okay. The pain of a speed workout is quick and fast and intense. And you feel it right away. Yes. So... But on the the benefit of it is you know the time frame where that pain is going to be done. You know the distance in which that pain is going to be done. Yeah, that's actually one of the coping strategies that I use a lot Mm -hmm. when it comes to these speed workouts is I tell myself, I can do anything for one minute or I can do anything for 30 seconds. It's only 30 seconds. Like I just keep that and I just keep repeating that to myself. You can do anything for a minute. You can do anything for a minute. Just give it what you have. Because your body always has reserves. Mm -hmm. Like your body knows that it's, it it won't let you push until you actually fall over. Yeah. And you know, and we can see this every single season with the the kids in our high school team is Mm -hmm. all right you have 12 quarters well numbers 9 and 10 and 11 go poorly but suddenly it's the 12th one and they're flying like (laughs) you clearly had enough energy to not go too slow on numbers 9 10 and 11 Mm -hmm. but you couldn't make your brain say i'm gonna push through yeah but when it came to the last one you had it so it gives you a chance to work these coping mechanisms of Mm -hmm. saying okay this one's going to hurt, but it's one lap at a time or it's only a half mile at a time, whatever it is. Right. So when you're in that race, it teaches you that you can break the race down into those shorter segments to make it much easier for you to mentally cope with the pain of racing. Yes. Yeah. That's why there was, I forget which race it was in, uh, one random little 5k that I did. And there was a group of us up at the front and the race had um, you know, mile splits and there was a big sign that said one mile, two mile. But one of the guys in it was, I think, Brazilian because his watch kept beeping every kilometer. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, that's a nice little friendly update. I don't get a sign at one and two and there's the finish line. I get a, I get five updates mm-hmm. going on through this thing and it broke it into smaller pieces yeah. and that made it easier to, to understand what was going. Yeah, my watch beeps at me every half mile because that's how it's... I, I set it up once for a workout long time ago and just never changed it. And I actually like it. There you go. So I leave it. One of the other great mental benefits is race pace can become a whole lot less frightening when you realize how much faster than race pace you can push your body. Yeah, that's true. So I got, I got multiple examples on this one. Um, and there's, there's good and bads to this is if you're being asked to do something in a race, say a 5k, and I, this happened in our season as I told one of the kids on our team, I'm like, I need you to hit the two mile in 13 minutes. If you want to hit your goal for the 5k. And he looks at me and he goes, uh, coach, my two mile PR from track season is 1337. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, okay. So I need you to PR by 37 seconds and then still run the last mile. <laughs> and yeah. That's, that's kind of mentally intimidating. It's really frightening. Yeah. You know, when uh, when I was back in high school, my freshman year, I was trying to break five minutes for the mile, and I hit 5.01. And so then sophomore year, we were a couple races into it, and there's the guy standing there at the one-mile mark. And I don't know, it was two or three weeks in. But that race happens to start with a straight-ahead, slightly downhill one-mile. Mm-hmm. So when I passed that guy and he yelled out 4.57, it was exciting because I knew I'd broken five and terrifying because right past the one mile mark, you make an almost U-turn and have to climb a mountain to get back to the start. (laughs) It's like, it's a slight downhill and then a longer winding path up, literally up over a giant hill on the way back. Mm -hmm. So it was cool that I'd broken five and 
not cool that I still had two miles uphill back to the finish line. Yeah, that's very, <laughs> very difficult to try to wrap your head around mid-race. But when you know that like your mile PR is, say, like seven minutes and you're going to do a 10K and you're being at, you're like, okay, I'm going to do the 10K at eight minutes per mile. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem as scary knowing that you can go for a, a full minute per mile faster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just wrapping your head around the length of time that you then have to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a combo. Like sometimes it's a benefit. Sometimes it kind of pulls you back a little bit, especially if you're being asked to do something that you've never done on a smaller level. Yeah. Which is why I want to make your one mile PR go faster. Cause then I think it'll, it'll knock down some mental barriers for you. Yeah. You think so? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. I think it'll help your 5k. Let's do it. Let's do it today. Well, on the day that this episode is released. Perfect. Let's tr- let's shoot for it. And we're going for there it. There we go. Okay, so the opposite of the kid who was struggling to go fast enough in his 5K because he knew that he had to take out the two mile faster than he'd ever done it is the girl who ended up being our number one on the team. Mm-hmm. She didn't do track last spring. Yeah. So she has no idea what her one mile PR is, what her two mile PR is, what her half mile PR is. So we'd go into a race. I'd see her at the one. I'd call it a time. It meant nothing to her. Yeah. I'd call it a time. And then I'd be like, and go get the girl in the green shirt. And she'd be like, all right. Yeah. Because the number wasn't frightening to her. She didn't have that mental block. She had no block there. It was complete freedom of running. So it, it works both directions. Okay. All right, so I think that wraps up what we wanted to talk about for speed work in running. Yeah, it has great it has great benefits. Great benefits. If you don't currently do speed work, you should you should really start. We actually have a free resource over on the website too. If you go to realliferunners.com and scroll about halfway down the page, there is links for some of the free resources that we offer and one of them is beginning speed workouts. So that's just a free download that you can go get over on the website. Start gently once yeah. a week. Yeah. Once a week. It, it says it on there. All right. So let's flip over and talk about fast food. Okay. So yeah, healthy, fast, food. healthy, fast food. Right. And we're not talking about Chipotle. So in an ideal world, we plan out our menu and we go to the grocery store or the farmer's market and we buy all local and organic ingredients and we go home and cook them and prepare wonderful healthy meals for our family every single part of the entire meal made from scratch made from scratch Mm -hmm. with with no nasty ingredients or anti-nutrients or any of that junk you know the name of the farmer who who raised the animal or grew the plant we're working on that level and then you ride home from their farm on a unicorn and prep dinner from your family right and then there's reality where you have three kids all that need to be somewhere different at the same time and you forgot to go to the grocery store because somebody needed a trip to the emergency room because they fell and you know knocked their tooth out or something i mean yeah you finally picked everybody up from their various practices it's six o'clock every Everyone's hungry and they want dinner now. Yeah. So how are you going to make healthy food to nourish yourself and your family as quickly as possible? Well, I think you need simplicity and you need convenience. Yes. Which is, shoot, that's fast food. Oh, no. No, quick. So planning ahead is critical because if you plan ahead, then simple and convenient might be inside of your fridge already. Right, exactly. And that planning... Like having healthy ingredients on hand and ready to go is key. So one of the things that 
makes life much easier if you don't have a lot of time is getting pre-prepped vegetables. Most grocery stores nowadays have these vegetables that are already washed, diced, bagged. They have spiralized stuff now. They have a lot of vegetables that are already completely ready for you to just either eat them or cook them and eat them. Yeah, depending on what you're going for. I mean, that the the pre-spiralized stuff at our grocery store is fantastic. And, you know, more and more grocery stores are going to jump onto the fad of, uh, of ordering ahead. They basically package everything for you, pop by the grocery store, grab your bag of food, yeah. and you're, you're good to go. That is fast food. Like, right. you're, you're at there now. Yeah. Like, dinner could come together in five to ten minutes and be way more healthy and satisfying than the trip through the drive-thru. Right, and think about how much time you spend at the grocery store, too. A lot of grocery stores nowadays have online ordering. So if you spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes ordering your groceries online and then just run over and pick them up, that could save you some time as well and give you some more time to actually cook and prep your ingredients. Right. If if it's just as quick to go to the grocery store as it is to go through the drive-thru, you are just as likely to go to the grocery store. If you're thinking, well, I got to go there and get a cart and up and down and hit like these 10 different aisles and get everything and then come home and prep it. It just, it gets overwhelming. So yeah. the online ordering is making things easier. Right. We haven't quite utilized it as much, but it's becoming way more prevalent. Yeah, but I like going to the market. Yes, you do enjoy the market. Yeah. So anyway, so every meal does not have to be a masterpiece. And you should just do your best at every, every time you can. Like, we're not saying that you have to be perfect. That is, we are definitely not perfect. But if you're going to take a picture of it and post it on Instagram, it must be phenomenal. And it must have the correct lighting. Yes, the and lighting background. is critical. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I took a picture the other day of like our dinner or something and my daughter said, Mom, food was meant to be eaten, not Pick, taken a picture of. And yes. I was like, okay. Well, she was hungry. And I know. She, it took me like 10 seconds. I know, but she didn't want to start eating until we were all there and yeah. phones were down so that it was time for the meal. And right. she was hungry. Okay. So we've got four suggestions of ways that you can help make your meals faster and healthier. Number one is batch prepping and leftovers. Basically, batch prepping is a fancy way of saying make leftovers for the week. So... You basically come up with some ingredients that you like and that you can combine into different meals. So some of the things that we like to make are a batch of beans. Um, We make some quinoa, maybe some rice. We cut and um, we wash and cut up our vegetables ahead of time. So that's some of the things that we do. Oh, hard-boiled eggs. Hard-boiled eggs. We make hard-boiled eggs every week. Anytime there's chicken, there's always more than the chicken that's needed for that recipe. Right. So that there's there's just some chicken sitting around. You hate plain chicken, but that leads me to the other part of have some sauce options. Right. Yeah, make some sauces and have those to make your meals different. So basically when you batch prep, you have all of these different components of a meal, and then you can put them together in different ways to make different meals so maybe one day you're gonna have rice with black beans and then you want to throw some tomatoes and lettuce and you know some salsa in there and make it a mexican themed then the next day you've got the quinoa in the beans and you want to put in um, some roasted vegetables and maybe like a dijon vinaigrette or something and then it's a totally different meal right and as long as those ingredients are all sitting inside the refrigerator 
poof, that meal just comes into existence quickly. Yeah. If none of those are, are already made, then you're like, well, I'm not, I don't have time to roast any vegetables and I, I don't have 10 minutes, 20 minutes to put together the thing of quinoa and then cool it back down and put, it's too much. Yeah. Batch prepping, make sure that there are leftovers and they don't have to be, that doesn't have to be eating last night's dinner again. Right. It could be taking the components from the last couple of days and putting them together in a different way. Right. And if you don't have time on the weekends or whenever to actually set aside time to do batch prepping, you can do it throughout the week as you cook. So say one night on Monday night you decide to make quinoa instead of making four servings of quinoa, make eight. You know, just double the the recipe and make double the amount of whatever it is so that you have those leftovers for later in the week. Yeah, that's lunch throughout the week because now suddenly you have so much quinoa sitting in there. Right. Okay, so number two would be try to plan out your dinners for the week. Look at your calendar, see what's on your calendar, who's got practices or games or commitments or meetings or whatever's going on that week and figure out when you're going to be home for dinner and figure out what ingredients you'll need. That way, when you go to the store and shop, you can make sure that you have all ingredients on hand. So that's one less roadblock that you find during the week. You have all ingredients at home, ready to cook, ready to go for you when it's dinner time to make dinner that night. Yeah, it takes down the roadblock. It takes down a couple. It takes down the roadblock of having to go to the grocery store, and it takes down the roadblock of it's 5.30. Hey, what do you want to make for dinner tonight? Right. I don't know. Why don't we check the calendar and decide what we were already going to make for dinner this week? Yeah. And another thing you can do along with this is let the kids pick some of the meals like either let them choose the whole meal or maybe just part of the meal let them say okay for for this meal we're gonna make chicken which vegetable would you like to have with it would you like carrots or would you like broccoli you know give them the choice so that they feel like they can help they're helping out in the planning process and a lot of times that can decrease some of the resistance that they have and like some of the pickiness that a lot of kids have you know can sometimes be helped by letting them join in on the planning process. Yeah, that's how we got the kids to eat more and more fish. Yeah. Is at first they were like, I don't want fish. Can I have this? Okay, well, we're going to have fish. Which one of these three flavors would you like with the fish? Yeah. And then it was no. And then the next time we did it, so okay, we're going to have fish. Which one of these flavors? And then they picked one and then wine. And then it was like, okay, <laughs> now we're going to have fish. Which one of these three flavors? And then they were arguing over which flavor they were going to have. They right. were so far beyond, oh, we're having fish. Right. I don't want fish. It was, oh, I want it with this topping. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes along to, you know, planning your dinner, expect the repetition and be okay with that. Like we have a couple staple dinners that you always make that are totally make everybody in the house happy. Like in in our house, it's tacos. Like we have tacos usually, you know, once a week or maybe a little less, maybe once every other week. They like to, the girls like to have taco Tuesdays. So usually if we're home on Tuesdays, we'll make tacos. But tacos is a very easy way for us to get a healthy meal because we we cook veggies and put it in with the taco meat and then make taco salads or whatever. But have a couple of meals that are your family's go-to meals that you know are good and healthy and have, you know, all of the the nutrition and the vegetables and everything that you should be eating. Yeah, expect the repetition especially when you have the kids help pick out the meals because yeah. they're not going to remember the 17 different options. They're right. not going to search for something online and scan through Pinterest for a new meal. They'll be like, I had this. This was good. Let's make that again. Right. It also reflects back to the running. You don't have to have 400 different workouts. If you have a workout that works for you, mm-hmm. you can do it every couple of weeks on right. repeat and that's going to be okay. Yeah, just cycle through the good ones. Yeah. 
Exactly. So the third way that you can make your meals a little bit easier is by understanding that there should be certain components to each meal. There should be a protein, a vegetable, a carbohydrate, and a fat. So there's, you should try to aim for four things in every meal. And these can be a variety of things. Maybe there's things that you like that, you know, you want to eat and there's other vegetables that you don't like. Don't include those in your meals for right now. I mean, you enjoy having a salad all the time for lunch. It's yeah. not it's not my choice. Right. But leafy greens or some sort of dark colored vegetable mm-hmm. is a really helpful addition to most meals. Right. So if you go into each meal thinking, okay, what do I want to have for lunch today? And you think, okay, I need a protein, a vegetable, some carbohydrate, and some fat, then it makes it a little bit easier to kind of plan out what you want to have. Well, then it's mix and match. It's not, what do I want for lunch? I don't know, something inside of the refrigerator. It's, I need a veggie. Okay, here's something that I feel like. I need a protein. How about this one? Right. And and once you realize that you need all of those components of your meal, then you can get into our fourth point, which is the portion control. So the those different components of every meal, there's a reason that you want those in each meal. You want more vegetables because your vegetables have all of your micronutrients and your vitamins and your minerals and all of the good stuff from the earth that you that your body needs. Yeah. They that, also fill you up without as many calories. That's that's a huge one. It makes your yeah. lunch look huge and satisfying. Like you enjoy making sure that you've got enough food going there. Mm-hmm. I like chopping up the greens and then mixing it with something so mm-hmm. that I can pack more food in there. Right. Which gets to the second point of proteins. Right. Make sure that you're eating enough protein because that's what's actually going to help keep you full for a long period of time. Right. And then you don't hit the middle of the afternoon and start searching for snacks. Mm-hmm. Right. And in addition to having quality proteins, you also need fat. You know, we grew up in the 90s where everything was low fat, no fat, don't eat fat, avoid fat. And nowadays, people are kind of going the other direction where they're eating keto diets and super high fat and putting bacon and butter and coconut oil on everything. I mean, you don't need to swing to those extremes, but you, you need to include some fat with each meal. So some What fat- are you suggesting? The middle of the road? What? Moderation? No, not moderation. What? Yeah. So you need some, some healthy fats in there. So some olive oil, some avocado oil, coconut oil. You can use those as part of a dressing. You know, you could put some nuts on your salad or some um, feta cheese, like some, there's different healthy avocado, a great one. You know, some feta, great- Feta cheese and goat cheese mixed into any. And pretty much anything, especially yeah. with beets and walnuts. But anyway, so adding those in. Um, and then the, the fourth um, component is carbohydrates. And everyone needs carbohydrates. Now, people out there that are keto might want to, if you want to email me and tell me how you don't need carbohydrates and, you know, everybody overeats on carbohydrates, go for it. Please shoot me your email. But I think that most people need carbohydrates in their day, okay, especially if you are an athlete that that is training. It just is a matter of how much carbohydrate you need, and that is really based on your body type, and it's also based on your training level. Yeah, I mean, you and I both take in carbohydrates during lunch, but when we make that double-sized batch of quinoa, I put a lot more of it into my lunch than you put into your lunch. You put some, you mix it into your salad and add some grains to it. I put it as the basis of my lunch and then put some veggies and protein over the top of it. Right, because there there are different body types and everybody's body burns things differently. 
Kevin is very lean with a very low body fat percentage. So he just burns through his carbohydrate. I have more body fat on me. So I need less carbohydrates than he does. Um, and But it doesn't mean that I don't eat any. It just means that I watch which kinds that I choose. You know, I, I don't eat white bread most of the time unless we're at like an, a nice restaurant and I really want that homemade bread, then I have it. But, you know, you just make the choices. So so, um, and then getting into our fourth point of the portion control. So once you realize that you have a vegetable, a protein, carbohydrate, and fat with every meal, then you want to start to, you know, kind of measure out how much you need. And the good measurement for that is your hand size. And we went over this last episode, but I can review it really quick again. Yeah, let's run want. through it real quick. Okay, so using your hand size as a guide, your open palm is the size of the amount of protein that you need, and that includes both the the size, like the width of your palm, and also the thickness of your palm. Okay, so that's basically the protein size that you need. Uh, A closed fist is the amount of vegetables. A thumb is the amount of fat, and a cupped hand is is the amount of carbohydrates. So that is a basic guide. And you should have at least one of each at each meal. And then depending on who you are, like Kevin, he's going to need at least two of those at each meal. And you actually need more like three servings of carbohydrates because of your body type and how much you train. Yeah, I up the carbs significantly. And and I tend to go with an extra serving of fat. Otherwise, especially as we get closer to the holidays, the teacher's lounge perpetually has cake and cupcakes and other random treats that some family homemade and dropped off like, oh, for the teachers to enjoy. And if I haven't provided myself with the appropriate lunch, I go searching for snacks somewhere in the Mm -hmm. afternoon and it's rarely a good choice in the teacher's lounge. So if you add good quality fats to your lunch, that helps you to avoid your sugar cravings? Yes, completely. Completely. Yeah, I mean, because then I can go in and just go fill up my water bottle and I can see the cake sitting there. And I'm like, yeah, that's really not even as good as what I brought for my own lunch. Okay. That's always a good thing, right? It's it's nice. Okay. All right. So moving on. So those are basically the the four main suggestions that we have as far as figuring out a quick an easy meal. So hopefully that kind of helps you guys out when you're planning your meals out. It's nice to streamline. You just have some basic guidelines and make sure that when you have good, healthy options available and some basic guidelines to what should go into every meal, pop open the fridge, put it together and and it works. Mm -hmm. All right. Summon it kind of up. Um, Life, life needs some quick results. People want some wins along the way. Yeah. If everything that you're going for is these huge long-term goals, great. But it's it's a but long it's, not great. it's a long-term yeah. goal, and it's tough to to see. Okay, well, in six years, I'll reach I'll reach where I'm heading. No, you need small wins along the way. That's the way. That's what keeps you motivated. If you don't see any progress towards your goals, why are you going to keep going down that path? Exactly. This is why meal prep is helpful because then you can get the wins as you build towards better and better healthy planning, healthy meals, the, the endless journey towards your better health meal prepping along the way. Oh, look, nailed it on dinner. Breakfast was a good one. Uh, Lunch was not the best, but you just keep prepping. You keep the the guidelines in, in, in line. Yeah. And same thing with speed work and your running. When you hit those times and you hit those intervals and you're seeing those times on your watch that you 
couldn't believe that you could possibly be running that fast. Like, yeah, granted, you're only doing it for a quarter mile or a half a mile, but that's still a lot more than you probably thought you were capable of. Yeah, I mean, this is especially true for newer runners who yeah. have no idea how fast they could be. Mm-hmm. Or for runners who've been running for years but never did any speed work, Yeah, you've all you've done is built this massive base. So as soon as you start sprinkling some speed in, you're going to get these quick wins about, oh, wow, look at how much faster I got in this short little time period. Right. And having those wins then just reinforces that speed work is a good key component to a running program. Right. And it basically, all of this just helps you to continuously rewrite your story. Once you start to see these little things along the way, you can start saying, oh, okay, well, maybe I am a little bit of a faster runner, or maybe I could be a faster runner. Oh, well, maybe I could be a healthier eater. Maybe I could enjoy eating healthier, you know, because it's not, it shouldn't be a chore and it shouldn't be torture. It should be just the choice that this is the life that you are choosing to live. That's, that's nice. Right. I mean, rewrite your story one tiny little habit at at a time. time. Yeah, exactly. So I think that about sums it up for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You can check out our show notes over on the website at realliferunnerspodcast.com, episode 63. So all of the resources that we talked about today will be over there. We thank you guys again so much. And this episode is being released on Thanksgiving Day here in the U.S. And so we just wanted to take a minute to just say thank you because we are so unbelievably grateful for every single one of you that downloads an episode and listens to us every week and tells your friends like, hey, like this is a great podcast. Thank you so much to everybody that has left us a a review on iTunes. It's allowed the show to, to reach even more people. And I mean, Kevin and I were just amazed by how how many downloads we've had and how much this show has grown over the past year. And that's really due to all of you all of our listeners. Yes. Who've recommended to a friend and then explained to their friend what a podcast even is. Yes. And thank you for those. Yeah, And how to access (laughs) podcasts on your phone, because I've had to do that multiple times, mostly with family members, mostly with family members. (laughs) So, um, so guys, thank you so much. We just, we appreciate you all so much for taking this time out of your day and for listening to us when you're in the car or on your run or whenever it is, you can get this in. And, um, thank you for all of your love and all of your support and everyone that's emailed us questions keep them coming you know we love to to hear from our listeners and um help you guys out in any way that we possibly can so thank you live life with with love and gratitude and start to sprinkle in some speed work (laughs) (laughs) nicely done there you go all right guys thank you so much for joining us today and we will catch you next week 